awesome time of year. And uh, it is a, a blast uh, to have a Sunday service here so close to Christmas Day. So instead of going through the life of David, we're going to take a moment and look at the story of Christmas. And next week, we're also going to have a special message on the new year. And uh, then we'll be back in the life of David. Let's pray here as we uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. And Lord, we ask now in Jesus' name, by your gracious, gracious hand, you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying about Christmas. What is it, Lord, that you're causing such joy and excitement and focus? And we spend a couple of months thinking about this time of year. Don't let it pass without you doing all that you want to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. And this now is the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, it is uh, wonderful to read the Bible and to see how God uniquely called people and uniquely used them. We think of Enoch, who walked with God and was not. He just disappeared. Noah, one man on all the earth who wasn't corrupted and was able to bring his family along. There was the testimony that he found grace in the eyes of God. And he was perfect in his generation. Abraham found eyes, favor in the eyes of God as well. And, and the questions asked why, and God simply said, because I've set my love upon you. Moses was confident he was not the unique guy God wanted. And he fought with God on that point, and God finally said, you're going to do it. <laughs> and we find later that out of all the people on the earth, Moses was the most humble. There's many more. Daniel, 
David, Jeremiah. Unique stories, and God uniquely used these people. But when we've come to the very first Christmas, we find God using, once again, a unique person, and that's Mary. And her faith, her response to God's calling on her life, her very, very unique calling on her life, is indeed the spirit of Christmas. In verse 26 and 27, once again, it tells us there that Gabriel came on the sixth month, which happened to coincide with the six months of her cousin Elizabeth getting pregnant. You guys remember that story where he was, her husband Zachariah, John the Baptist's dad, was going into the temple and, and God said, hey, you're going to have a child. How can that be? My wife's old. And we know that no old woman can ever have kids. And he starts arguing with God. This is impossible. Did you guys remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? I mean, wouldn't you think the high priest should sort of have that in his thinking? And God just said, you're mute. I, I don't want to listen to you anymore. Once the baby's born, call him John the Baptist, and I'll let you talk again. And he did. But now it tells us there that he came to a city of Galilee, Nazareth. Here's what's unique about Nazareth. It is a podunk town that nobody would have any idea it ever existed except for this story. So God, getting ready to change the history of mankind. You know it's 2018, almost 2019, because Jesus' birth. The entire dating system of the world is before Christ was born, B.C., and after Christ was born, A.D. Now, they're liberals are trying to change it to B.C.E., before the Common Era, and A.D.E., after the Common Era. And you say, what was common? And they have no idea. Um, and they come up with all kinds of crazy things. But I, I loved both of President Bush's. I, I don't know if President Trump is doing this, but on every significant document, they would write in longhand, whatever year it was, and then they would write in longhand, after the birth of our Lord Jesus. I love that. Because they're making a clear statement that I'm acknowledging that God at a moment in time did something that changed the history before he was ever born, because he's God, he's eternal, and after he was born. And no matter how much people don't want to believe it or upset about it, it has gone to the four corners of the world. And I might add a several years ago, <laughs> one of the prophecies before the Lord's return. The message is out there. She came to Nazareth. Nazareth, that's where, remember, when Jesus came back preaching and he 
they said, wow, where does this guy get these powers? Where does this guy get these amazing words? And they were offended going, you're just a podunk Nazarene like us. And you remember where they took him? Up to the bluff to throw him off. And he walked right through the midst. You say, does God even recognize little podunk towns around the world? Interesting, in the Hebrew, the word naz is the word red. And the word ith is bluff. Red bluff. I'm totally lying. (laughs) I will say this. I've been to Nazareth, and they clearly have a bluff. I still have not seen the bluff here anywhere. A lot of beautiful mountains around here. I couldn't see them the first four months I was here, but uh, I sure enjoy seeing those snow-top mountains three different directions. It's beautiful. But it's interesting that, that God is choosing people from little podunk towns that have no significance to anybody but him. And it tells us there twice that this virgin was on her way to getting married. Culturally, signed, sealed, and delivered. You can only get out of a trothel with an actual divorce. And it says twice that she was a virgin named Mary. Now, I just like to stop here and say, culturally at this time, probably 99% of the girls remain virgins. I mean, you just had absolutely zero life if you fornicated. And so it's important that she was a virgin prophetically. But I want to make it clear here, that was not her top spiritual (laughs) characteristic about her. God wasn't going, man, it's going to be so hard. I'm going to find a virgin. Where is a virgin? Man, that wasn't what was going on. And, and I would say if you met Mary, she wouldn't say, hey, I'm a virgin. <laughs> I don't think that was the, the top thing. You know, today I, I, I see where the world mocks Christianity when they see young people making a vow to be a virgin. And and I wonder if it's really wise for us to do that. Because Paul said, I never thought about coveting until I heard, don't covet. (laughs) And then that's all I wanted to do. Isn't that the way our flesh works? If I said, here's a hundred cabinets up here. I need you to watch these for four hours. Look at any one of those 99 ones. Just don't look at that one right there. On the bottom, it's unlocked. Don't look in there. I'll be back in four hours. Do you even think about the 99 cabinets? Now, had I not done that, you probably would care less about those cabinets. In the same way, we're going to discover that Mary being a virgin was just a byproduct of a surrendered life to Christ. I mean, isn't that what we're, we should be saying to the young people? Give your life and surrender to Jesus. He's got such a wonderful plan. And, and, and love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And guess what? 
there's just a lot of things that won't be there in your life that'll bless you. It's like sexual sin. But isn't that the gospel of grace? You know, if you say, well, describe yourself. Well, I haven't fornicated. I haven't done drugs. And I've never had a DUI. Does that tell you enough about me? It's like, actually, it tells me nothing about you. Tell me what you do. Well, I go to church. I love Jesus. I seek his face. I read the Bible. I pray. Yes, that's, that's, let's talk about this. Jesus came to find this unique woman who had a unique surrender to God. And of course, because she was surrendered to God, she was a virgin. And in verse 28, it says, having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So notice he says four things. These, these angels are pretty cool. Very positive. Rejoice. Whoa. Now, I, I, very few people have actually seen angels. And, and uh, often when they see them, they're sort of terrified by them. I think of the holy apostle John. He kept falling down before the angel. But here, the angel comes straight from God, the Bible tells us, sent from God. Seconds, he was in the presence of God and now he's in the presence of Mary and there with the glory of the Lord about him, the smell, the sense of heaven. He takes this girl, this young teenage girl, Almost everybody believes she was below 20. Most believe she was in her earlier teens. So, Gabriel, go down to Nazareth. Where? <laughs> what? It's a city in Nazareth. Or it's a city in, in Galilee area of, of Israel. And you're going to find a significant, significant person. You wouldn't notice her if I didn't point her out. She's a young teenage girl with a very, very, very common name, Mary. So you want me to go down to a podunk town I've never heard of, find a young teenage girl with a very common name, Mary. Oh, yes, give her the good news. Rejoice, Mary. You're highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I don't think she knew any of those things. I don't think she was probably super rejoicing living there in Nazareth in poverty in a, in a bad area of town. It was a very rundown, harsh place, Nazareth. Did you know, Mary? Even though you're only, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, whatever she was, you are highly favored in God's sight. She's like, me? I, I guess I theologically know that God knows me. <laughs> theologically, I know he knitted me in my mother's womb. I, I guess theoretically he has a plan and a purpose for my life. 
Ah, no, 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 no. You are uniquely highly favored. Rejoice. The Lord is with you. You know, there's times I've sensed God's presence. There's times I've sensed the Lord's hand turning horrible things around for good. I sense that there's times I probably would have died if the Lord didn't intervene. And it's true. The Lord is with me. And blessed are you among women. Not, not above women. Among women. Mary, from the creation of Eve to the last woman ever made in the millennial reign, there will never, ever be a woman like you who is going to be able to give birth to God in human flesh that will bring salvation from the beginning of time to the end of time. In a moment of time, you're going to have conceive a child. You're going to give birth to that child as a virgin and, and bring salvation to all of mankind. Wow. Lucky. <laughs> right? I mean, this is pretty amazing. You know that word, highly favored one? It's only used one other time in the Bible. Ephesians chapter one, verse six. But before we get to verse six, I wanna start in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us, here's the term, accepted in the beloved. It's the same Greek word, karito, which is translated in Luke, highly favored one. Do you see those verses three to six? Do you sense, as Paul is proclaiming that, he has the sense of Gabriel speaking the joyful words to Mary? God has chosen you. He's given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He's predestined you before time. He's called you to the adoption of sons of God to his good pleasure. And he has made us to the glory of his grace, highly favored ones. Mary was lucky. Guess what? When Jesus died on the cross, your sins were taken on him. That he could come at a point in time and not an angel, but people. God uses Christians to come and say to you, rejoice, you highly favored one. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins took him and completely destroyed the power of him through his blood. And if you'll say, Lord, be the Lord of my life, you'll discover that 
you were predestined before the foundation of the world. And God has a tremendous, unique plan for your life. Blessed are you among all the humanoids that have lived in our universe. If you will receive God coming in human flesh, sacrifice for you as a free gift to say, Lord, yes, I, I want that free gift. Then you are most blessed. You are the highly favored one. To all of us who are born again, we are elect of God. You know, I, I do want to parse out here about Mary. Because, you know, the, the Catholics in their theology, and if you're Catholic here, I, I'm not trying to say anything negative about that. I just want to point out what they say about Mary. Is that the pendulum goes over until they say she is the mother of God a co-redemptress with Christ, that she herself was perfect in order to give birth to a perfect child. And here's the point. Mary was not the mother of God. <laughs> she was the mother of Jesus's human body. You see, it, you either have always existed or you haven't always existed. And so they have to say, well, Mary coexisted with Christ. She is eternal herself. And so this is where I have the problem, is that they are trying to elevate her. And that was never the Lord's desire. Give us an example of her, yes. To praise her, yes. But in Matthew 12, 48, they came to Jesus saying, hey, the place is crowded. And your mother and brothers are outside trying to get to you. And, and your mom wants you to tell them to make, make a line, <laughs> make a room, make a hole, let them come in. And Jesus looks at them peculiar and says, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? I'll tell you who. It's these right here on the front row who are desiring to do my will. A matter of fact, Whoever does my will is my mother, is my brothers. As far as we know, no hole was made and no special entrance to his family from Nazareth was made. But what is he saying? Who are those highly favored? Who are those that are intimate fellowship with me? Those are the ones that I'm the closest to and regard as my family. Later on, a woman cried out in Luke eleven twenty seven. 27. It says, Blessed, are, blessed is the one who, who gave birth to you and the one who breastfed you. And Jesus turns around to that woman in the crowd and says, no, blessed are the ones who hear my word and obey it. And then the last time we hear of Mary, she was just a name of 120 in the upper room. The Bible clearly says to to praise Mary, to let it be known that of all the women in the world, she uniquely was chosen by God. But she is not the mother of God. It's impossible. She herself would be God and Jesus would be her creation. He wouldn't be God. So if I right now could open my flesh. Oh, 
you would see my spirit was made the same time as my flesh, the same age. However, Jesus in human flesh, if he could have opened up his flesh, ah, you would have been vaporized because you would have been looking at the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so this is a wonder that the eternal God came into human flesh and lived 100% as man. In Hebrews, it tells us why. That as a man, he could be a substitute for man. But being God, his substitute wouldn't just be for one man, but it could be eternally for all men, not just in a season in which he lived, but for all times. So Jesus' blood was not limited to a man. It was God who came into human flesh. And Mary, uh, we don't want to swing the pendulum the other way, saying, well, she's nothing, and we don't even acknowledge her. No. The Bible, the Bible says, I uniquely worked with Enoch, and he walked with God, and he was not. <laughs> I uniquely called Moses. I uniquely worked with Noah. I uniquely had Daniel in the lion's den and kept them all asleep. I uniquely called David. I want you to stop and, and realize that Mary had a uniqueness about her that I could use. And, and she was there and it, it, she was young. She was innocent. She was betrothed to be married to a guy she probably didn't know that well. But there's something about her that, that I want to say to everybody. She is somebody to take note of because God did. Well, she was in a powerful family. No, she wasn't. She was in a well-known place. No, she wasn't. She was a queen. No, she wasn't. It has nothing to do about that. It has to do with a surrendered life, powerfully, uniquely. In Luke 129, it says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. I hear you, I just don't get it. And in verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, as I was studying this and praying about this and meditating on this, I just realized that this verse right here is a word of God to some of you here today. That yes, you, you, you know God loves you. Yes, you know God has said, you can, if you're willing to confess that you're a sinner and that you have sinned, he'll be faithful and righteous to forgive you of a sin. But yet, even though you've heard Rejoice, highly favored one. Jesus died and rose again, and you believe in that, but yet I'm, I'm still afraid. I'm still troubled. Right here, there, there's no need. Don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus would say to his apostles in John 14. Believe in God and also believe in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. Mary, I, I know there's so many wrong things in your life. I know there's so many hard things in your life. 
I know there's a lot of things that are confusing in your life. I know there's hurtful things at home with your family. I just presume that because we all have that experience. I know there's not a giant future for a teenage Jewish girl from Nazareth. But believe, have faith. Can, can you do that? Can you, can you believe that, that God, it says, holds the stars in his hands? Interesting, they, they have speculated that there's about the same amount of sand on our planet as there is stars in our universe. And it says that God holds every star in place and knows it by name. If I gave you a handful of sand and said, you know, I'll give you as much time as you want. I want you to lay them all out here in the sanctuary. I want you to identify the uniqueness of it. I'm going to test you on this later. I want you to put it in a special location and keep it there. I'll come back when? Week, month, year? When, when do you want to come back? Do you think they could keep those sand in the right location? <laughs> do you think they could identify the sand and give it a name? No, this one's unique. I'm going to call it pepper. You know, I don't, I don't think we could do that past 100. But yet God does this, and, and believe me, he is not looking at you as just, you know, a number. <laughs> He's not just looking at you saying, oh, they all sort of look alike to me. I've been looking at people for 6,000 years, and it's just all sort of blending together. God knows you by name. Your DNA was unique when he created you. Right down to every hair on your head, he's kept a number. Year after year, it's getting easier as we get older, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, he knows you. God has you. It's by faith we're saved. It's not by our feelings we're saved. Okay, by faith, when you feel the faith, you're saved. That's the problem. I'm feeling sort of down. I'm feeling sort of weak. Well, then your faith isn't valid anymore. Boy, are you glad that's not true? We'd be on a roller coaster. Save, not save, save, no, 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 save, 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 not save. It's, it's by faith in him, and he says yes. <laughs> I think of that man who, whose son was tormented, and, and, and the Lord said, believe. And the guy says, I'm trying, but just help me in my unbelief, would you? The Lord says, close enough, and his son was healed. <laughs> God, God doesn't expect perfect faith. God just says to Mary, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be troubled because God is faithful even when you're not faithful. I'm not saying you're perfect, Mary. A matter of fact, in just a minute, in chapter two, Mary's gonna say, I rejoice in God, my savior. She knew she needed to be saved. In Luke 31, go on and says, and behold, you will conceive your in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, Yahshua, Joshua, we would say. In Galatians 4, 4, it says that the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law. That word in the fullness of time is in the perfect moment. We think of that story, don't we? Where all of a sudden, way over in Rome, 
this emperor wakes up one morning going, I don't think we're getting enough taxes out of Israel. I want you to go and get everybody, I don't care where they're living, they gotta go back to the lineage, the city of their lineage. I don't care if they can afford it. I don't care if they're on their deathbed. I don't care if they're nine months pregnant. No excuses. And here's poor Mary hearing this front page news. What? I'm nine months pregnant. Get on the donkey. <laughs> we got 90 miles to go. Wow. And there she gets there ready to pop, and she does, but there was no place. They end up getting stuck in a barn. And there was nobody to help her. It says that Mary gave birth. The idea is she didn't have a midwife. She didn't have anybody helping her. It was a tragic thing, but yet we know, don't we? The prophecy had been given hundreds of years earlier that the virgin would be born in Beth, that the babe would be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. In Isaiah 7, verse 11 through 14, it says, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord, the, the wicked king Ahaz. I don't want to irritate God. Hear now, O house of David, Isaiah says, it is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel, which is the Hebrew for God with us. Wicked King Ahaz is, is stressing out over the battle that's coming, and, and God says, go down and tell that wicked king, I'm going to be with him, and I'm going to empower his armies to have victory, because I'm trying to give him a message that, that I, I love Israel, and I even love him, even though he's wicked. And Isaiah says, God wants you to know he's going to try to let his loving kindness bring you to repentance. He's going to give you victory even though you don't deserve it. And, and he wants you to ask any sign you want. It will do it right here, right now. And that miraculous supernatural sign will give confirmation the words I'm saying are true. Yeah, you know, I, you know, God's a busy guy. I just shouldn't bother him by praying or asking anything from him. So I'll just let it slide. And then Isaiah gets angry and says, God's going to give you a sign. This virgin at a particular time in a particular way is going to give birth and it'll be supernatural and it's not just a sign for you but for all of mankind in Luke 132 and he will be great he will be called the son of the highest the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David do you hear those things one he'll be great two he'll be the son of the highest the third thing is he will set upon the throne of his father David He's going to be a great son of yours, Mary. You're going to love this guy. You're going to have a really fun time with child number one. He's going to be your son. But he's also the son of God. But he also is the son of David. And then in verse 33, it says, and also he's the son of Jacob. And it says there that he's going to be great while he's on earth He's going to be God, the highest, the son of the highest. 
He's going to also, even though he's in Nazareth as a poor carpenter, just like David was a nobody in Bethlehem, he's going to be a nobody in Nazareth, but he is the next king on the throne of David. And he's going to not just have a temporary rule because he's God. He's going to rule on the throne of David over the house, not of a split kingdom, but over all of Jews of all time and over all who have been adopted in to the house of Abraham forever and ever. And then in verse 34 to 36, and Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. And I'm sure she said, oh, yeah, I should have figured that out myself. That's so obvious. I was, I'm dumb. That's such a dumb question. And he says, yeah, you know what? It's not just you. But the forerunner that's been prophesied that would come before him is actually going to be Jesus' six-month-old or six months older cousin, John the Baptist. And it's also a supernatural birth through this older cousin of yours. Jesus will be the Holy One, it says here, who will be born to you. He will be called the Son of God. In Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the one who, who fathered eternity, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, over his kingdom, to order, establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. God's going to do it. It doesn't matter whether man asks for a sign or believes in the sign or, or wants a savior. God's going to give them a savior anyway. In 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, if you want to believe in Christianity in any way, shape, and form, 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. And then in verse 37, make note of this. For with God, nothing will be impossible. In the Greek, it's actually interesting. Because the word here is used is, is the word donato, which we get our word dynamite from. Sometimes you see in the form dunamis. But then there's an A in front of it, which is in the negative. And so the actual word means without power. And then there's the word rhema, which also is the Greek word for word. There's two words, logos and rhema. Rhema is a unique, special word from God. And it's also in the negative. Without word, without power. And it's understood to be the most emphatic way of saying it. The New American Standard, excuse me, the American Standard Version has it right. It says this, for no word from God shall be void of power. Mary's like, how can this be? And the angel says basically this, all God's words have power. Or on the opposite side, 
No word of God is ever without equal power to that word. God speaks it. It's never going to be impossible because it's God who spoke it. So the word of God and the power of God are equal. So if God says, let there be light, well, how could God make light then? His word is equal to his power. There's never a word of God without the power to do that word of God. So when God says, be holy, for I am holy, guess what he's going to give you? <laughs> the power to do that. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. Ah, can anybody do that? God wouldn't have said it if he didn't, if he wasn't going to give you the power to do it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying here? And Mary gets it. He says, all of God's word are also with his power. And notice what she says there in verse 38. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Then let God's word be in my life, and I don't understand. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power of the mighty will overshadow you. Who can understand that? But all, all I'm saying is this. Let God's word have that kind of power in my life, and I'm your servant. Do you get that? We, we see the world who doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, but Santa Claus and the little drummer boy and the Grinch and anything and everything to, to, to build myths around the spirit. And you know, no matter what story they tell, they sort of get it at the end. At the end, you sort of have where the Grinch's heart is changed, right? And, and you can go on down. The Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> figures it out. What is the spirit of Christmas? It's where a human heart that is so wicked, even though they've lived for decades, it's just getting harder and more evil and more sadistic. But at a moment of time, the supernatural work of God changes their heart until they say, I want to be the opposite of what I've been. And the power of these supernatural night or the power of Cindy Lou Who or whatever it is, I, I, I'm, I'm stopped in my tracks and there'll never be another year like the past year. This is the spirit of Mary where she is coming and she is just saying, me? I'm just... I've been alive 15 years. I live in Nazareth. There's nothing special about me. And the Lord says, give it a minute. When you hear his word, give it a minute. When you hear his word, what happens? She just humbles herself and says, I'm your maidservant. Let it be to me. Let your word and your power be unto me. Whatever you want of me, God, I'm yours. What a beautiful spirit. And 
Luke 1, 46 and 47, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She needed salvation. That's what God desires right now, is you to take his word and put faith in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's pray here. Lord, we come before you now and we ask in Jesus' name that your word would take a special place in our hearts right now. And if you're here today and you, you realize I'm not a believer, I'm not what the Lord would have me to be. I am not that person that just says, God, I want you to have full reign in my life. Right now you can. This is the spirit. God has brought the world <laughs> to a tender heart for many, many days each year. For some, it's a sorrowful heart because the holidays sort of emphasize how painful their life is and how painful relationships are or aren't. For some, they are celebrating and soaking up all the tender-hearted movies and, and gifts and candies and but if you don't get this, you don't get Christmas. That's where we come to that place to have that heart of this simple girl from Nazareth, Mary, who just says, I need that Savior. And I magnify the Lord that he's giving us a Savior who is going to be Christ, our Lord. I submit, God. I humble myself. I'm your servant. What your word is spoken, let it be true in me. I surrender. Take my life. Even though it's going to be shameful to my future husband, even though it's going to be hard on my family, even though it's going to create rumors that I'll fly around until the day I die, I don't care, what God, whatever it takes. I don't care how hard that word. I don't care how impossible that word seems to me or anybody else. I want your will. That's it. The insignificant becomes significant. Something that would never be known like Nazareth, it became the most well-known city in the world. Lord, we just come right now. Take our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today, after the service, we're going to have some guys over on each side and their wives. If you need prayer, the Bible says get anointed with oil. We have oil over there to get, pray for you, encourage you in any way. Let's all stand and we're going to sing for a few more minutes. We're going to go a little long here today. You guys ready to do some more Christmas caroling here? All right. So our hope, uh, can you guys hear me out there?